Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed him as the Lord of all. Amen. Amen. We want that every day, every hour. Maybe we could go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this presence that's here, Lord Jesus. Lord, truly you're the Messiah of our life, the Savior of the whole world, and yet you've come and chosen us. You died for the world, but you had a special group of people in your mind and in your heart, oh God the bride of Jesus Christ. We believe we're members of that bride, members of the body, oh God. And we've come here tonight, Lord, we need another touch from you. We need our cups filled up. Lord, I need my cup filled up tonight, Lord. We come looking to you, Lord, not to a man or a a thing, but Lord, we just want to come, Lord. I pray you take the things of the week, Lord, and set it aside. Forgive us where we've gotten it wrong. Lord, I just pray now you'd come and help us, Lord, even as Brother Max preached on Sunday night. Lord, we come to press on a little bit more, oh God. We want to press on and press on. Help us, Lord. I pray take this little service, take the the songs that were sung. Lord, thank you for them. And I pray just take the the words now. And I pray you'd anoint it, Lord. I, I can't do it, but you can. And I pray you'd come, Lord. We invite you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I want to greet everyone in the the name of the Lord. I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. While you're turning, as you know, there's a a church play coming up on April 30th. we, were show, we showed the picture on the screen, I think, on Sunday morning, but we have some poster-sized posters printed out for those that would want to hand out. Um, I think they're on the, on the deacon's table in the back. So if you take, try to give them out, and uh, we'll see how many we can get out and how many people we can invite. And I believe it'll be a blessing. I know a little bit about some of the things happening with the play, the heart behind it, the amount of effort and work, and I, I believe it'll be a real blessing. And thank all those that are working on it. Hebrews chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 37. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, chapter 12, seeing also we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. They're on the other side now. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy, he was looking at something else. While he was going through the here and now, he was looking at something else. That's what I want to speak on tonight. Who, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the now. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down now. Now he's somewhere else. Set down the corporal body at the right hand of the throne of God. God bless you. You can have your seats. I wonder if you could keep your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to take a little thought that jumped out at me just a, a few days ago from uh, the message. Brother Branham says something in the message of the third exodus, and it just jumped at me and started to run through my mind. And I, I want to take the title tonight, Living for the Hereafter. Amen. Living today, but for the hereafter. Amen. There's a place that we're going. There's a place here that we'll be here, but after after so many things are done, after so many things are gone, there's something we can look to. There's something we can take joy in even now in what we live through. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith, now faith is something that we look at, something that we see and, and know, and it's a substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, not something you have presently, but you have the faith for it. You have the substance for it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So something that you don't see tangibly or feel or touch or hear, but there's a substance, there's a sixth sense that's looking to something beyond the present circumstances. For by it, faith, the elders obtained a good report. They went to spy out the promised land and they went back and the two spies came back with a good report. They looked beyond the giants, they looked beyond the walls and they began to see a promise of a land flowing with milk and honey and they brought back the good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen today are not made of things which do appear. Maybe I don't quite know how to begin, but I want to look at that thought of where are we at today, how we live through ups and downs and trials and different things of our life, but where can we find our strength we find it in the word of God and we know that there's something we're going to. There is a land we're going to, the hereafter, heaven that is beyond. No matter what we're going through today. Brother Brandon would take a story and maybe we can continue on in Hebrews chapter 11. If you're not still there, that's okay. But 11.23, by faith, and this is the faith chapter, it begins to go by faith, Abraham and Enoch and the different ones, by faith, Moses when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's command because they had a promise from God that there would be a deliverer. There was slavery, but there was going to be a hereafter. There was going to be something that would come after the slavery. So they knew there had to be someone to get them there. They knew there would be a deliverer. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years maturity, and he came to a place to understand his call, he refused to be the called, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, then to enjoy the here and now, the pleasures of sin for a season. Why? Because he was esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches, the reproach of this world now, but it was the reproach of Christ, something that was to come, a promise that was to come. 
greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, as seeing who am, him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, which the Egyptians, as saying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. Brother Branham would take this thought in the message Victory Day, and he would call it V-Day or Victory Day, or he would use that term of V-Day. Now, great V-Days, we think of the same. Let's just go back. We got, we got a few moments to think of some warriors. We go way back, but let's go back as far as Moses. Moses had a time that we, he went down in a great warfare. He went into a hard battle and a place to come deliver the people of God. God had commissioned him to do it through Moses because the church itself had long forgotten victory. They'd gotten so used to bondage and captivity and the cycle and the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs. They had long forgotten victory. And he says, that's the matter with the church today. We've too long forgotten that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, the same he was on Sundays, the same he is today. The same yesterday, today, and forever. We forgot that God is, not was, a healer. who can make the sick well. We forgot that the baptism of the Holy Ghost was poured out upon the disciples and given from generation to generation for anybody, whosoever will. Israel had forgotten. They'd become satisfied in Egypt. They'd become satisfied as slaves. God help us to never be satisfied. I find it easy sometimes as you go through the day and you know how the devil attacks you and he runs through this and you almost fall into neutral and you just kind of take the hits and take the hits but what about standing up and realizing, I'm a son of God. I want to push forward into the promise of God. I want to step out and not just sit in neutral and kind of be, because we can't stay in neutral. We'll only be pushed forward or back. We've got to get in the gas and move forward. Now, here was Moses that went down within his own intellectual affair, intellectual treatment, under a military force. He tried to do it of his own strength, but just a word from God. On the backside of the desert, he caught a vision of something else. On the backside of the desert, boiled the whole thing up again. What happened to Moses? He got his glasses focused. He began to see, what am I truly here for? It's not just to work. It's not just for this. It's not just for earthly things. What am I truly here for, Moses? He got his glasses focused. God's only purpose, he says, wasn't to marry this beautiful Ethiopian colored girl back there and to settle down and have children and raise his father-in-law's sheep, but his mission Oh, each of us have a mission tonight. His mission was to deliver the children of God out from under bondage. Our mission is to go take a rapture, to enter into the hereafter, to enter into another land, to live a life while we're here that's above all the things of the world, a life worthy of the gospel, a life that's overcoming through Christ. His mission was to deliver the children of God out from under that bondage. That was his commission. That's what he was born for. And each of us is born for something. We wasn't just put here for nothing. The mountain had never happened just to be, or the tree was, the tree was put here for a purpose. Everything has got a purpose. We're here for a purpose. Maybe it's to testify to one person and get them saved, and out of that might come a preacher that would send a million souls to Christ. Right. 
Brother Brandon would say, remember Dwight Moody's conversion and many of those. Just look at that little old washwoman with a message on her heart to do something for God. What did she do? She rented a little old livery stable and got a minister to come down and preach. And nobody, I'll say for this play coming up, if, if it's just us and one other person, and nobody but that little boy come out with their hair hanging down his neck and his daddy's suspenders on and went down there and that little boy went there and knelt at the altar that night. Dwight Moody sent to half a million souls. We don't know that person we talk to that doesn't look like anything. You share a tract or a message or just say something and come to church sometime. You don't know. We don't know what it could do. She, it was for a purpose. She was made a washwoman. She had a burden that she gave herself to for a purpose. Brother Brandon says this, don't despise where God has got you. My Don't despise where God has got you. He's there for a purpose. You're there for a purpose. But serve your purpose because there's coming a great victory day. One of these days where the battle is over. Today we're living for something else. We're living for another world. Not just these four walls, but we're living for more. Moses was born in Egypt. And and through a series of God-ordained events, the government begins to crack down. I'm sure we've seen those things even in today's world. The government began to crack down, but don't forget, it was God that hardened Pharaoh's heart for a purpose. Don't just blame this. It was God that allowed Mary and Joseph to be forced to Bethlehem under great taxation. The government, all these things began to move. God hardened hearts. God is still in control. He's got the whole world in his hands. Don't get discouraged if the government doesn't go your way. But Moses began to be raised in Pharaoh's court, surrounded by power, politics, the world, everything that he could want, the pleasures of the world, the sin of the world. And he was raised up to be the next Pharaoh. He was raised up in the height of everything. Brother Branham would compare Moses and the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler was a good man, a nice man, a good young man. And God asked him to give up his riches and sell. Jesus asked him to give it to the poor. And Moses gave up way more. He was next to be ruler of the world. And he did it. He gave it up for something else. But Moses had, 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 had something going for him. He had, he had a godly mother. He had a godly father that had raised him. Mothers and fathers... What you, how you raise your family, how you raise your children, it matters. Moses lived for 40 years, had a failure, went off for 40 years. His mother maybe, I don't know, maybe never saw him again. But those prayers went out anyway. There was a promise over his life anyway. Brother, the Proverbs 22, 6 would say, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a promise. That is a promise. But Moses began to, he went out, he had his failure, he went out to the backside of the desert. God began to meet him at the, at the burning bush and turn his life around and his glasses began to focus, Brother Brandon would say. And he had lost all thoughts of freedom, but now he had gained thoughts of freedom again and he began to see his call and his purpose. His faith, and this was even maybe before he left the wilderness from this message, he, there was a point even back in Egypt, he began to make a choice, I am not the son of Pharaoh, I'm an Israelite. I'm a child of God. By his faith, but his faith led him to take the choice of the world and not the glamour. 
He was surrounded by power and prestige. And just like we live in, you could say, middle class America today, we're surrounded by almost what we want. But what do we choose? Where do we spend our time? What do we give our minds and our passions to? What do we think about? What do we dwell in? What do we love? Brother Branham would say, your comfort is your religion. But his faith led him to take the choice of the world and not the glamour. He took the word. That's what Moses' faith did. When faith looks on God's worst, remember, here was the glamour now, the world, the highest, the king of the world. And where was God's promised? The mud hole, the mud daubers, the oddballs, the strange ones. People call us a cult. We're not. We're the bride of Jesus Christ. But they'll call us that. But when faith, when faith looks at God's word, it esteems it greater and more valuable than the best that the world can show. Yes, sir, when faith looks at, when faith can see it, faith in the word, word can see the word manifest. You take that thought, you, you project a well person. Or I'll say, project to your loved one here and then sitting with you there. Step into it. It sees the word manifested. Faith will see the word manifested. It's more than all the glamour and archbishopry and everything you can see. it. You can see the worst, the despised, the rejected, the whatever it might be. Let it be at its worst. And yet faith will esteem that a million miles higher than the best the world can see. Faith has a long-range vision. Moses didn't focus even in his life as you move past a Red Sea and or even up to a Red Sea and after a Red Sea and walking through the wilderness. Faith, he, he didn't just look at his current circumstances. He had to look beyond to know, I'm taking them all the way to a promised land. And although he failed, he still ended up in the promised land one day, years and years later. But I'll tell you, Moses had some bad days. He was surrounded by a... You know, Pharaoh didn't let them go without a fight. God hardened his heart, and time after time, plagues and frogs and lice and darkness and death. Finally, he let them go. It was a fight. And up to the last moments, it probably seemed like, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? But he knew there was something. Moses led a group of complaining Israelites. He led a group that had their infighting and this and that, and it grew up to a group of two million people. It was not an easy job, but God was faithful, and there was a land that he was taking him to. There was a place of rest that he was taking him to. I want you to notice that when Moses did, when he got that vision of the unseen, there he was standing, all of the world in his hand, every pretty thing that could happen, the Pharaoh of Egypt, he had the money, the women, the beautiful girls, the social, the popularity, the gaiety of the world at his hand. What did he look down in the mud pit? It could promise him nothing but poverty, a fall from the society he was in, a turning back from the glow, glaring things of the world. He had to go back to the mud pits to become one of them. Notice when it weighed in the balance, dropping down, none of you had the opportunity of that kind of an opportunity tonight of what he had. But if you did, what choice would you make? What choice would we make if we were Moses? It'll show us what's in our heart. What choice would we make? There was the best the world could give, and here was the worst that religion could give. But yet the worst religion could give outweighed the best the world could give. So it is tonight to any man or woman that'll forsake the things of the natural eye and the carnal mind and receive Christ into their heart, it'll outweigh anything the world can give. For what can outweigh eternal life? 
There's a sermon right there. What can outweigh eternal life? Tribulation, death, riches, everything. What can outweigh life eternal? There's nothing that can do it. I'm so happy I've seen that balance. I'll turn a corner here. Brother, Brother, Brother Brandon would say in the message, Desperations, he would say, Signs of his coming, and we see them. Signs of his coming should throw every member of Christ into desperation about our souls. And he says, about our welfare for the hereafter. About our welfare for, here, for hereafter. Well, what are we going to amount to if we gain the whole world? He says, what are we? What are we living for? What do you work for? What are you eating for? What are you struggling for to live? What are you living for? to die. And he says, and you're not fit to live until you're fit to die. You're not fit for the hereafter until you're fit for the hereafter in your soul and you're dead to self. You're not fit to fulfill your purpose on earth. You're not fit to live until you've died out to self. Then you can enter in a path to live for God forever and ever, but also on this earth. You're not fit to live until you're fit to die. This is the quote that caught me for this message. I just, I was just, I turned it on. I've been listening to the third Exodus and, and then I just kind of turned it on and this quote just jumped out at me. And he says, and the natural eye today sees a glamorous church, a fellowship with the mayor of the city or what more, and these denominations, organizations, and they fail to see the power of the Holy Spirit when it can raise the dead and heal the sick. They look and they watch Hollywood, and they watch people on the street. He says this, the women today think, well, this woman, Susie, she belongs to the church. She's got her hair bobbed. She wears makeup. Everybody in town likes her. Brother Branham asked the question, I wonder about heaven. Everybody in town likes her. He says, I wonder about heaven. Does heaven like her? Heaven loves her. Heaven wants her to be saved, but, but does, does heaven like that? See, when it's contrary to the word, God can't endorse it. He would be endorsing against himself. He would deny his own word. And be it known, God would never do that, though heaven and earth would pass away. He says, a bobbed-haired woman is a curse in the sight of God, or a woman that will put on garments that pertains to a man. And then he makes this statement. This is how we live in the here and now, and we see all these things in the, the cool things of the day, the, the Amalekites of today the Philistines of today, the people of today. He says, the spiritual eye catches it. They see the point. They live for hereafter. We're not living for today. The spiritual eye catches it. They live today for hereafter. There's a land. I'm a pilgrim. I'm from another country. The natural mind lives to reason the carnal things of the day. Much has been made about investments, especially in the last few years. We've seen the stock market go up and then down and different things. We've seen people begin to dig into investments and pour their life into this stock or that stock and talk about this and talk about that. And Brother Brandon wouldn't even say bad things about that in the message investments. He would even say that if you're a business person, you're interested in good, sound investments, you're, you're not looking for a fly-by-night thing, but you don't want to leave your money in your pocket, you gotta... he would say those things, but the point he would then make is, but there's a real investment. 
There's a real place to put your life, to stake your money, to stake everything that you have. There's a real investment with real dividends and a real payout. Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Moth and rust doth corrupt those stocks and bonds and all those things. And where thieves break through and steal, and there's fraud and scams and all these things. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Why? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There will your heart be also. There was a man that saw a treasure in a field, and he realized the greatness of that treasure, so he sold everything he had, and he bought that field knowing there was that pearl of great price, knowing there was something, and he sold his whole life for it. For the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, if thine eye be single, thy thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness." If therefore the light is that, is, that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon, the world. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life. Give up your life. Leave, up, leave your life. Take no thought of your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? He begins to go on. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God is concerned about our now, before the hereafter. God is concerned about our day-to-day life. God takes care of our life better than we know. Sometimes, Brother Branham, there was a quote talking about how he, he had made the wrong turn and they ended up 50 miles or something down a different way and they're coming back realizing, why, why did that happen? Brother Branham says, you don't know if we we're destined to have an accident, but God just turned us this way. I think one day we'll see the replay of our life and we'll realize, whoa, I didn't even know this and that. God is intimately concerned with the details of our life. He cares more than we can try to care. And that's the thing, then we care too much. But to let it go and to let God, to let God take his way and and, and have his sway over every part of our life and us knowing that we're here for a purpose and there's somewhere we're going. Our reward is somewhere. It's on the other side. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. Here's the now. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. How many got destroyed this week? How many got persecuted this week? Oh, yes. We all got persecuted, but none of us. We're not destroyed. There's a seed gene of God. We keep bobbing up to the top again and bobbing up to the top again. Not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. 
that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. And I'll drop down. We know this at the end. Verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day, feeding on the eternal, feeding on something else. And I lost my place. For which cause we, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light, light affliction, which is but for a moment, when we compare it to eternity, what will it be like the first five minutes in heaven? Will we really spend a whole lot of time? It'll melt away. It'll just melt away. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but there is a land. The things which are not seen are eternal. Hebrews chapter 11 would say that, 11 verse 13 would would say, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded and embraced them and confessed, this is ours, that we are strangers. We are receiving the promise too. But we're strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came, they would have, might have had opportunity to have returned if they'd paid attention to Sodom. If Abram had, had been mindful of Sodom, he might have stayed there. But he wasn't mindful of Sodom. He was, he was content in the tents with the Lord God, up far away from Sodom. Might have had opportunity to return, but now they desire a better country. That is, an heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. He hath prepared for them a city. I look at a man named Daniel. He's similar to Moses. Or the Hebrew children, they were risen up right in the realms of Babylon, right in the realms of the government, right in the realms of position and authority and all the other things. It was the Egypt of the day. And yet Daniel would, in Daniel chapter 1, 8, he would say, Daniel purposed in his heart as a young man, not even as an old man, but as a young man, looking at all the opportunity, he could see it. It was way better in opportunity than living in Israel, I'm sure. They were taken captive to quite the place. It was a powerful country. But Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. He requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The Hebrew children were set over the affairs. They were his friends. And it's interesting sometimes, the, I don't know, but I guess Daniel went to Nebuchadnezzar and asked the king a favor. It says in 249 that Daniel requested of the king he made a petition. He says, I have my friends. I guess it still happens in government. But he did it too. Daniel requested of the king. He sat Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Daniel sat in the gate of the king. This is where they were, in the power of the king, in the authority of the king. And there was a fiery furnace called. We know the story. 3 verses 14 Nebuchadnezzar spake unto them. I'm just going through to verse to verse. I hope this is okay. But Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you did not serve my gods, that you're looking at something else, that you're not living in the here and now, that you did not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? 
Now if you be ready at that time which you shall hear the sound of the cornet and the fluke and the harp and the sackbut and psaltery and dulcimer and all kinds of music. I'm sure it was good music. Quality, you know, talent or whatever. When you hear the sound today of the rock and roll or the hip hop or the, the things that would go on and try to attract the attention of tap your foot and begin to take you down a wrong path. If you begin to hear the sound You fall down and worship the image which I have made well. It'll be well with you. But if you worship not, you shall be cast into the same hour, into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands, he says? My. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, I love this. Look at what they said. We're not careful to answer you in this matter. We're not ashamed to answer you in this matter. We're not hesitant to answer you in this matter. We know where we stand. It says we, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. If it so be our God whom we serve is, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto you. I love it. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods. We will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image that was set up. And the king was full of fury, but there was a fourth man. We know the story. Gabriel looked down and said, do you see what's happening to, my, to your children? And, 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 and Wormwood said, send me down. I'll wipe the whole thing off. But God said, I'm coming down myself. There was the, the one stepped down out of eternity, out of the hereafter, out of that land where there's no yesterday or tomorrow and came right down in the moment, in that moment and stood with his children. And they were saved. God was with them because they didn't look at the present circumstance or the present world or the present things around them, but they knew there was something. There was a land. There was something that could, they could look to. Brother Branham says, the Hebrew children made an investment one day that when the proclamation come forth that they was all going to have to join this group and worship some other way, and it'll come, the pressure will come, besides the way that God had told them was the right way, they made an investment in God. Though they throw us in the furnace, we're not going to do it. We're going to stay with this word. It saved their life. Converted a nation. See, because they were willing to keep their investment. The rich young ruler, we mentioned him, but... He made a choice. He was faced with the one that could give him access to the hereafter. Oh, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? To life eternal. But he chose to live for today. He couldn't give it up. He couldn't break himself free. He couldn't, he couldn't look at that and say, I have to follow with this band of men that follows you around and to give up all these things. Brother Branham, and this young fellow, the message investments, I think of him being presented then with the opportunity for this investment. But he wasn't interested in such an investment. It was all right if he could go on living with his friends and go on living in the things he was doing and affiliate in it and yet not surrender. It was okay for him to come to church and be in and around it, but not truly give himself to it. What did this rich young ruler, what was it, what was it he said? He went away sad from Jesus because he had great possessions. It was a great opportunity, yet he was so wealthy, he felt he would mar his wealth. 
Oh, God, help us not to be turned away with those things. The pleasures of sin for a season, the fineries of Laodicea, the comforts of this nervous age. Brother Brandon would make this, this point, and it's true. About the hereafter, he would say, talking about this young fellow, this young fellow saw that this man surely had God in him, Jesus. He could look down and Jesus could see into the hearts of the people. He could see what was wrong, tell them of it, could raise up the dead. He could see there was something about this message in this prophet, if I could say it in today's world. Could raise them up after, dead after they died. He knowed that the law did nothing like that. He knowed the denominations did nothing like that. He knowed that his own church did no such miracles like that. He was conscious that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was alive. He could not die. He saw all that God was in this man called Jesus. He saw the message of the hour presented, Christ speaking through a man named William Branham, and his heart hungered. He knew that. He knew he would be a member of the church, a fine church member. Maybe his father was one of the great, a trustee, or one of the great executives or something on the board. His, the boy had been raised up to the law. He had kept it reverently, respected it, yet down in there, there was something that longed for something more. Jesus loved him. I trust that that's in the heart of every man and woman here, I'll say this evening, he says this morning, to find something that's real. You remember, he says this, you can't come and make a second trial. You've got to decide on this earth. The way the tree, tree leans, the way it falls. And he says this, there's no scripture for a hereafter repentance. Now is the day of salvation. We can't look for, we can't look for tomorrow. We don't know. We don't know who would be taken out tomorrow and wouldn't be alive anymore. Today is the day for a choice. Today is the day for repentance. There is no scripture for a hereafter repentance that's your time now. No matter how it becomes popular today, he says, about a purgatory somewhere, or there is no such thing to pay for it later through purgatory. It was wrote in one of the books, the Maccabees or something or other, but that wasn't added to it, the Holy Word of God. And look, in that one book, purgatory is mentioned, but not, in the rest of the, Bi the, rest of the Bible, it's not mentioned nowhere. Jesus, speaking of this same young man when he died, he said, there's a gulf fixed that no man has ever crossed and never will after death. And that settled it when Jesus said so. Today is the day to know, am I living for now or am I living for the hereafter? Where do I stand with God? It says to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. We ought to know and be able to stand and say, I know where I stand. I know that I have faith, that, that I've accepted the Lord Jesus into my life, that I've accepted his salvation, that I know where I stand and I know if I die, I know I'm going to a hereafter. And there's a great peace in knowing that. Brother Bram says, now where is your treasure anyhow? Is it in your church? I hope it's not in this church. I hope it's directly in the word of God. Is it in your business or is it in heaven? For wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So why not make an investment tonight? Your business will go to ashes someday. 
But let's think this morning that this is a special day that we are presented, he says, as business people, to make an investment in Jesus Christ. To give up, be ready, just forsake everything that is that's dear to this world that we might find the treasures of heaven. As Jesus told him, come, follow me, take up your cross. And that's the hard part, is the cross. It's not an easy life. It's a cross. It's a public shame. It's a public something, something that weighs us down. And we don't always get it right. So often we get so, just a little thing happens and we just want to shy away and be, I, I get ashamed. I don't want to be that way. God help me. I want to be able to stand and say, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. In the service somehow, years ago, I, I was, I was in, 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 at Nate actually, and I, I was, had a job in the student world and and with it, I was a student representative. And, and one of the fears, one of the things I knew could come around at the time, and there's a, the movement is just so much bigger today, is, is, is the LGBT whatever movement. And there's a, there's a push behind it, align with us. Are you for us or against us? Are you an ally? Are you this? Are you that? And as a student representative, if, you, if you're, if you're going to be that, they're going to expect you to stand for their causes, typically. That's one of the expectations, and with the role I was in, I would have been expected they would have a pride parade through Nate. And they'd do their thing, and I would have been expected to pretty much be at the front of that, waving the flag. And, and I, I told some folks right off the bat, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But there came a day where it was starting to come down to maybe the parade. I can't remember all the timelines, but that was coming up. It's in June every month, every year they have their month. I guess it's coming up again this year. But, but I, I, so I went to the back. I went to the executive director of that organization, and I, I popped in, and I said, hey, Chris, can I talk to you? And, 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 and he said, oh, sure, come on in, whatever. He didn't know that there was maybe a heavier conversation coming, and he, he was a, he's a progressive man, but I'll say God bless him. He was a good man to me. Um, but I, I, I said, Chris, I, this pride parade and things, I, it doesn't align with my morals. I can't do this. I, I I can't walk in that. I, I won't walk in that. And so he said, oh, well, come sit down. Let's talk about it. And we began to talk about it. And he began to share some things. And you know what? He accepted me. He said, fair enough. He said, and he made this statement, and I, I won't get the wording exactly right. But he said, John, as a person of religion, I don't, I think, I don't know if he was atheist, I don't know what. But he said, as a Christian, as a person of religion, you don't live for these four walls. You believe there's something after this, and you live for that. That's why you won't stand for this. Wow. There was a man that had some wisdom, had some insight. We don't live for today. How can we have boldness to stand on something that might be hard? In today's world, it, there's a pressure, and there's this. Because we don't live for these four walls. We live for something after. We live for another realm. God help us, each one of us, to take our, I've never, there's times where we get ashamed or we don't do it like we ought to. God help me. God help us all. It was amazing to me when that parade day came a few months or whatever before they had set up this search for someone and I had to be on the committee. They were finding, going to hire a new person. They had a committee to do the hiring committee and whatever. I was going to be a part of the committee. It just so happened. I don't know, the parade happened from 12 to 1 on a particular day just so happened God worked it out that I had to be off-site somewhere else at this meeting, and I usually wasn't off-site, and God just 
And he just worked it out. Sometimes we'll have to stand. And sometimes we'll have to stand and say, you know, I'm not going to do it. And God backs it up. And then he just moves it around. And it just works out. God's in control of our lives. He cares more about our lives than we do. Let's live for the hereafter. Let's live for another realm somewhere else. How do we know there's a hereafter, John? How do you know? He says, Brother Branham, because as a flower rises again, the tree raises again, the sun raises again, so shall the Christian raise again. It has to. Because God in the expressed image of a human being or a, a human being being expressed in the expressed image of God proved it by his resurrection. I don't know if I read that right. Because God in the expressed image of a human being or a human being, okay, I think I maybe read it right. There in where when the prophet Job saw these things take place, Job, when he saw all the botany life so far, then we who are familiar with the Bible knows that sitting on his heap of ashes in the now, struggling under such duress, under such a trial, in the now, in distress, trouble had struck him. His church members had told him he had secretly sinned. Maybe, many times it's been said, a person that dies prematurely or something, it's some sin they did, they did something wrong. That isn't the case to a Christian, Brother Branham says. When he saw this final expression, God making his plan, he saw it. As a prophet, he saw it. God making known his plan through Jesus Christ. He cried with a loud voice. When the lightnings flashed across and the thunders roared, he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And at the last days, in the hereafter, at the last days, he will stand upon the earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I will see God, whom I shall see for myself. He saw that final expression. This is not the end, Brother Branham says. This is the beginning. It's the end of sorrow. It's the end of time of decision. But it's the beginning time of joy and reward. I love that. This is not the end. This is the end of many things. It's the end of cancer. It's the end of sickness, of sin, of depression, of anxiety. But it's not the end of life. It's not the end of joy and reward. It's just the end of the mortal things to begin the immortal thing. Revelations chapter 4, after this I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up a little higher. And I will show thee things which must be hereafter. What is in the hereafter? I'll show you the things which must be. Come up a little higher. Brother Branham would say, oh, what will it be like? Did you ever think now, bride, what will it be like? It's prepared and designed by the divine architect. What will that city look like? Now we're going to walk, we're going to talk about it for a few minutes. The divine architect has prepared it, designed it. Look, he's designed it with tender hands for his beloved bride. What's it going to look like? And he would go on in that message. You ever want a beautiful message to listen to? Future home of the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride. A picture of what we're going to go. Revelations 21 would say a little more. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, I, the bride, will see it one day. We saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of God, out of, from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. This is the hereafter. This is what we're living for. It's real. It's not a something else or a fantasy or a something else, but it's real. The tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and shall be their God and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things shall be all passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things, all things new. All things new. There will be a hereafter. There's a land that we will go to. There'll be a, we'll, we'll be here after a three and a half year tribulation. There'll be a time where we'll be here after a millennial reign. We'll be in a, in a place where there's no yesterday and there's no tomorrow, but it's all one. God was called the great I am, not I was or I will be, but present tense. That's what eternity is, is a realm that's just now and now and now, and all the other things will pass away. Many times on this earth, we have struggles that really pull us back down. Brother Branham would, I'm looking for a, I'm not sure if I'm finding the quote that I'd like to find, but many times Brother Branham would say in the message, and it's not the one maybe I wanted to read now, but I'll read it now. I've been listening to the message Shalom for months now. I just keep coming back to it and back to it. There's one he takes, a little home meeting, I think about January 12th, 1962 or something like that, and four maybe, I, 64, I can tell you. Brother Branham would say it's a little home meeting with 30 people and he preaches it like he's in a stadium. And it's just beautiful. Brother Branham would say, many people asked why. They asked, sometimes they asked me, why, why must these things happen? Why, why did this happen to me? Or why did I start and this happened and I had this trouble here and this upset me here and I lost this there? Brother Branham says, sometimes I've asked why. Why, when I was just a young minister, first started out, did God take my wife right out from under me? Take my baby right from beneath me, right beneath my heart. Why did he do that? I didn't know. I do now. I just held my hand in his and kept trusting. Because there was something. There was a purpose. All things work together. There's a hereafter. Brother Branham says, he knows, and I'll speak to the now as we start to wind the service down, he knows every junction. He knows the rhythm. He began to talk about the symphony, the sympathy, he called it. When it must take place, he knows when it, what it takes to mold you. That's why you're going through it. He knows what it takes to mold you. He knows what kind of material he's going to use. Sometimes the hereafter is maybe 10 years from now he wants to use you in a moment for a time, for a purpose, for a calling, for a season. He knows the molding today that it takes for hereafter, even before eternity. He knows what kind of material he's going to use. The backside of the desert sometimes where God molds us righteous men into sages and prophets. 
See, see, that's where men are beat out. Men are beat out in the word when they got all kinds of creed and stuff in them. Let them come to the word and God beats it right out of them. Molds it right into this, into the great symphony of his word. Then they see the great word moving on. God knows when the rhythm of it has got to change. He knows how the rhythm goes. I don't know how it goes, but he knows. He knows how it goes. I don't. But I look at it here and I say, well, it's just coming. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. See, God has moved through history with the rhythm of the promise of his word. In each age, in the same rhythm, making his word. That's how God moved through history, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. He has moved through history with his word. That's right, the rhythm of the power of the Holy Spirit vindicating his word to the elect. We'll just stay on this thought for a moment. It seems like another message, the message Victory Day again, it seems like the Christian life, if the fellow is not absolutely centered on Christ, the Christian life seems like holds so many disappointments. But those disappointments are God's divine will happening for us. Did you know the scripture says, Jesus would pray, Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. But square it with this. The John chapter 4, John chapter 3 or 4, chapter 3, he would go out and they would say, the spirit of the Lord led him into temptation to be, led him into the desert to be tempted of the devil. We don't want to be led into temptation. And when we are led into it, he wasn't that Jesus was out of the will of God being tempted. He was led there. So he could show us how to overcome by the word. He was led into, Moses was led to a Red Sea. It looked like great temptation with the enemies there and the enemies there and mountains on either side perhaps. He was led there and it looked all wrong and he began to maybe question, why am I here? Did I get it wrong? What do I do? God, and, and, and God said, why are you crying to me? I led you here. I told you, the Egyptians that you saw today, you'll see again no more. We can absolutely be led right into a spot that's so difficult, so hard. We didn't get it wrong if we're walking with God. We can also get it wrong and end up in many places. But if we're walking with God, if you know God's been with you, and you're in a spot now, where am I going? What am I doing? God maybe led you right to that spot. And yet, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil. Bring us all those. Lead us not into a place that we can't overcome. But lead us to where we can allow the word of God to overcome every day. Every day. Lead us not to places that we can't overcome. If I could say it that way. These disappointments are God's divine will happening for us. Now it don't seem like it would be that way. But it's God's way of doing things. He lets us hit the river to see what we'll do. He would go on about Moses, I think, in the Red Sea, I believe. Another part, just dropping down. God lets disappointments happen to show victory. What? Oh, if we could only see that. You'd only see that these things that seem to be so burring against you and upsetting you, they're trials. They are things to stand still. Focus your glasses to the word of God. And speak the word and just walk forward. That's all there is to do it. We get to a time, we say, God, I don't know what to do. I'm up against it. Speak the word, Lord, I believe. Amen. 
I believe you're my healer. I believe you're my deliverer. I believe you're my savior. I believe you're the one that makes a way through everything. When there is no way, you can fill our cup to overflowing. God does the opening of the sea. You just keep walking. We take another step and another step. The, the, the waters of Jordan couldn't part until the priests put their feet right in the water. It was flowing through maybe, the, I think, the highest time of the year, a flooded Jordan, until they put their feet in it, until you put your feet into that river of death. How can it move until you take that step forward in faith? I'd like to find one more quote if I can, and we'll wind down if I can find it. Maybe I'll just quote it myself a little bit. I'm going to look for one more moment if it's okay, but... Brother Brandon would talk in the message Mother's Day. It was Brother Tim Pruitt brought this thought out so beautifully the Sunday morning after, after, after the funeral, I believe, of Brother Harold last year. And we're going to talk about the other side. I'll just quote it as I remember it. But the table being set on the, the marriage supper of the Lamb table, and we're all there, and I'll just dramatize it maybe my way, but we'll sit beside those we know and maybe those we don't know yet, and we'll get to know real well in eternity. And, God, you know, comes by and wipes all tears from our eyes and, and he begins to talk about and those knots in your mind of the why did this happen and why did that happen and I don't understand this and he talks about the fingers of God coming in and just beginning to untangle those knots, undoing them, bringing the peace. Why did it happen that way? I don't know. We'll understand it better by and by. There's a land that will understand it better. We don't see all things on this earth but we do see Jesus on this earth. But there is a place where all the knots, all the tensions, all the wonderings, all the, why did it go that way? But if we can just stay faithful in the now, if we can just stay enduring, faithfully enduring like Abraham until he obtained the promise, if we can press on, God bless you, Brother Max, if we can just keep going, one more step and another step and another step, we're almost there. Uh, we don't know how much longer it'll be. It might be another 10 years. It could be another two months and it all is wrapped up. Be sure of your calling and election today. Be sure of where you are today. One day the ark door closes. And if you're in the middle of it, the ark door is closed, but it feels like the ark is upside down and this way and that. It's going to land one day. One day the ark sunk and hit that mount and it was safe and secure. Eventually the waters drained and they were able to walk out on an earth free from sin. Well, there was Ham still in the ark in that story, but they were free. It was pure. There was something that was real again. One day there will be a day the musicians can come. God is good. He brings us through. No matter what we're up against, no matter the trial, no matter the struggle, He's the one that makes it all work out. There won't be a single regret in eternity. I don't know if we'll have time for that. There'll be rewards handed out. and You know, I'll say it this way. There will be ways that 60-fold or 100-fold fruit, there's, there'll be crowns, there'll be rewards. There, there's ways that we can have a more reward there. I'll say it that way. But we're not going to spend a whole lot of time. As a young person, there will not be a single regret for being raptured at 13. Not a single, oh, I never got to this. I never got to grow up. I never got, 
are you kidding me? You won't regret it. I'm sorry, I don't want to say it in the wrong way. But you won't regret an ounce of heaven. It's real. You, there, you, you won't regret it for a moment. If you're nine years old, you give your heart to God. You serve God pure all the days of your life. And you think, oh, I never did this. That's the devil. All of that is sin and death. There is nothing that is, could be compared. What could outweigh eternal life? Nothing. But life eternal. All of the things that we see, the devil can only pervert. He can't create. The land that we go to is something beyond what we can imagine. It's so much greater. It's so much more real. Brother Brandon would make that statement. This is just kind of a dream or a preparation place. But there's something that's real. I'll say in my words, there's something that's real. More real. It's worth everything. It's worth it all. I hope this has been okay tonight. Let's all stand. Maybe we can sing that song. There is a land. Beulah land. I'm homesick for Beulah land I'm longing for you And someday On thee I'll stand There my home Shall be eternal second verse I'm looking out well I'm looking out there's a time where faith ends in sight oh across the river to where oh to where my faith oh my faith it's gonna end in sight oh just, there's just a few more days to labor than I shall take, then I'll take my heavenly flight. 